hello everyone. Uh, welcome back to our online service for this weekend. And uh, hopefully you're having a chance to watch this together with some other people. Uh, we encourage people to be a part of a house church uh, if you're not able to be in, in the building and to, uh, to take the opportunity, if you watch it on your own or listen to it on your own, to, to find some time to discuss it with some friends and, and dig down deeper into what God may be speaking uh, to you through this. And so we're going to jump right in uh, today. Uh, I meet with a bunch of young guys on Monday nights, and we've been talking about the life of Abraham uh, and looking at his life, this man of faith, this man who trusted God uh, in, in an incredible way. And he made um, the list in Hebrews chapter 11 of God's men uh, and women of faith, heroes to be looked at and, and uh, inspired by and encouraged by. And so we've been looking at his life and, and uh, looking for ways that we can uh, take what he did and apply it to our own lives and, and how we trust God with, uh, with everything. Last week, we were actually talking about that uh, right here on our, on our services, uh, that we were just simply talking about trusting God. And trust is a tricky thing, right? It's putting, it's putting the outcomes of, of, of our situation, our life, in somebody else's hands. And we, we learned last week that that's difficult at times to do, uh, but uh, encouraged us as well to get to that place where we just say, God, you got this. Like my outcomes are in your hands, and we see that Abraham uh, through his life, we just saw how how often um, he just trusted that God. The outcome is in uh, is in your hands. I know this past week that that's been in my prayer like dozens of times a day. Sometimes it's a statement, a declaration. God, you got this, and other times it's like it's like a question. God, you got this. And yet both times I'm realizing and recognizing that my attention is once again brought on him. And so we said last week, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. He'll show you which way to go. If that, if that sparks something in your heart today and you didn't watch last week, I'd encourage you to go and uh, take a, an opportunity to do that. It's the benefits of technology. And so today... Um, Want to look at uh, you know this life of Abraham, and actually more than the life of Abraham, as we were studying that, I was really intrigued by his nephew Lot, uh, this this kid that traveled along with Abraham, and I realized that you can actually learn a, a lot of lessons from Lot. And so my my kids thought this title was cheesy, but I've titled today's message a lot of um, a lot of life lessons from the life of Lot. A lot of life lessons from the life of Lot. And it might uh, be something we end up taking a couple of weeks to look at. But what does, you know, maybe you ask the question, what is this guy named Lot? Like, uh, he lived 4,000 years ago in like a, this place that's thousands of miles away from here. What does his life have to do with me today? And, it, and I'm glad you asked because it has a lot to do with our lives today. Uh, the, the, the truth is that humanity hasn't really changed that much that we still struggle with the same things, we wrestle with the same things that, that they wrestled with back then, and our lives can truly still be affected um, for good in the same ways that there was back then. And so uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to just chat about Lot, like uh, I was reading as Jesus was 
he traveled all over the place and he would teach in different places and oftentimes people would come and ask him questions and uh, Luke who was uh, he, he wasn't an eyewitness but he, he went and he talked to as many eyewitnesses as he could and, and he said tell me the accounts of Jesus life and he put it in an orderly in an orderly fashion so that others including people like you and me would have the chance to read it and, and I'm grateful for that but Luke writes in Luke chapter 17 as Jesus is traveling the, the Pharisees this, this group of religious people come up and ask him they're like Jesus you're always talking about your kingdom and you're talking about the kingdom of God. When's that kingdom going to come? And and Jesus' response to them was simply, hey, you know, it's not something you're going to see and like there's like these visible signs. He's like, the kingdom's already here. It's already happening among you. He says, but I think what maybe, and they said to his disciples, I think what, you, what they might be asking is like, when's the son of man going to return? And so he says, uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 28, you can read it. He starts actually in verse 26, where he says that when the son of man returns, it's going to be like the days of Noah. And then in verse 28, he says this, and, and, and when the Son of Man returns, the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. In the days of Lot. He doesn't mention the days of Abraham. He mentions it's going to be like in the days of Lot. And he says well, this in this way that people went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building. He's like people were just living their lives. And in, in, in the time when the Son of Man is going to return, it's going to be like that. People are just living their lives and kind of going on with, with everything. But we'll learn at the end that in the days of Lot, there's something, there's a warning for us in it. You know, we can, uh, we, we have the benefit of, you know, reading ahead or even just as we read the story of, of uh, Lot's life, we can read it in one sitting. But, but uh, it took a long time, uh, it took decades for, for them to actually live that out. You know, we, um, we read about Abraham, and we know that Abraham became famous. Most of you heard of Abraham before, um, before this message today. You know, he became the, uh, the father of many nations, just like God said he would. And he became a blessing uh, to the whole world through his family. Uh, and our world has experienced that. Uh, and then Lot, his, his ending is not, not nearly as uh, well known. If you read in Genesis 19, at the end of Genesis 19, you read about where Lot ends up. He ends up fearful and alone, living in a cave with his two kids. And that's the, 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 the ending of Lot's story. And I think when you, you look at um, these, these, uh, this, this story, wondering how did Lot end up there, I want to take a look at that today. So if you turn your Bible, go to Genesis 13. It's really easy to find. Just go to the very big front of your Bible and start flipping a few pages and you'll see Genesis and then chapter 13. We learn that Abraham and Lot are traveling together. God had said to Abraham, you know, leave where you are and go to where I'm showing you and trust me, I'm going to show you a land that I'm going to give to you. And so they're, they're on this journey, and both of them are actually end up becoming very wealthy along the way. Um, uh, Abraham's got gold and silver and livestock. It says Lot has also large amounts of livestock and lots of tents. And uh, as a result, when you get a bunch of people in a small space together, you get drama. It doesn't matter where that is, school, church, home, you know, even in my house sometimes, I'm, I'm like, like the kids, you know, they're, they're just at each other. And you're like, okay, go outside, you know, get out of this um, situation for a bit so we can just have some peace. Well, Abraham and Lot, their, their employees and their families were all fighting over uh, the, you know, the amount of land that they, that they had to share. And so, so then they decide to have this conversation and they decide that they're going to part ways. And, and actually, I want to look into that life lesson of Lot next week about that idea of parting ways and, and division. And, but they decide they're going to part ways. And so we read about it in Genesis 13, verse 9. Abraham says to Lot, the whole countryside's open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we'll separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. And if you prefer the land on the right, well, then I'll go left. 
You know, as I read this, I learned that both men had a choice. Both men had a choice in this. We see that, you know, Abraham, his, um, his choice was simply to trust God with the outcome. He's like, God, I put it in your hands, so Lot, you go ahead. You choose. You choose. You know, I remember as a kid, like, anytime I had to share stuff with my brother, like, I remember specifically about apples. You know, my, my parents say, hey, you can have half an apple. And so, um, you know, my, my brother and I, would, we'd, we'd want to cut the apple. And, and my dad's rule was always this. One guy cuts, the other guy chooses. You know, because we'd always, like, cut the apple and, you know, take the bigger half. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. One guy cuts, the other guy chooses. And so this is similar to what happens here, except that Abraham's like, you know what? No, you, know, you go ahead. You cut and you choose. You decide what the boundary is going to be and you get to choose which way you're going to go. And we see, we see that choice being made uh, right here in Genesis 13, verse 10. He says that Lot took a long look at the fertile plains, of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord and the beautiful land of Egypt. But this was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So it says Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and he parted company with his uncle Abram. And you may hear me use the word Abraham. Abram's name was changed to Abraham. It's the same guy. But, uh, you know, we know where Lot, we know where Lot ended up. But Lot didn't know he was going to end up there while he was making this decision. He didn't realize that this decision would have such a profound effect on his life. And that's where I think the life lessons for us are so, so important that we realize that the decisions we make matter. Last week, it was saying, hey, in all of your decisions, consider the Lord and he'll show you the path to take. Well, in this situation, we see Lot just looking at and using his own eyes and just looking with his own, um, his own understanding, I would say, that as he looked, he saw that this, there was this fertile, well-watered, beautiful land that would be great for livestock. He's like, you know what? That's the place. Even though it was settled uh, like uh, close to these, these cities where a lot, of, a lot of ungodly things were going on, Lot, you know, he, he decided that he was just going to choose and make this choice, not realizing that someday, you know, it would affect him in a, in a, in a massive way. You know, Lot wasn't sitting there on that hill looking out going, hmm, you know, <laughs> I think I want to end up poor and alone someday. So I think I'm going to go with this. I don't think he, he was standing there going, you know, I think I'd like to end up being like the bad example in some guy's sermon someday, you know, in 2021. I don't think he was thinking any of those things. What was he he's thinking? He's looking at this, at this uh, decision that he has to make. And uh, Peter, you know, Peter was a, a Jesus follower. He was, he, he was uh, with Jesus for three and a half years. He became one of the leaders in the church. And uh, as after Jesus had risen from the dead and, and returned to heaven and Peter's leading, the, leading in, uh, the church in the first century, he wrote a couple letters to some of the ones that he wasn't able to be around to encourage them. And, and he actually writes about Lot. And he writes about what's going on in Lot's life in this moment. He says in 2 Peter chapter 2, we're going to go back to Genesis 13, but just, just for a minute here, 2 Peter 2, verse 7 and 8, talks about how God was judging Sodom and Gomorrah, but he says, but in verse 7, he says, he delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. You know, when you read that, that, that word, tormented his soul, there's another you know, term for that. It's going against your conscience. 
It's going against what's, what's go, what's, uh, what the voice of the Lord on the inside or going against what you know to be right. And with Lot and with us, it's not an instant thing. This, this thing of going against conscience, it's a gradual thing. You know, if most of us, if we could see the end of our result of our decision, we'd be like, hey, no thanks. You know, if we saw, ah, tempted to go against conscience, but we could see the end, we're like, no, 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 <laughs> no way. But it doesn't work like that. It's, this, it's these gradual, seemingly small decisions that have big impacts down the road. Sometimes forget, but sometimes regret. You know, in Genesis 13, we read, what happens in verse 12 we see that it wasn't it wasn't instantaneous it was gradual verse 12 so abram settled in the land of canaan but lot he moved his tents to a place near sodom he moved his tents to a place near sodom and settled among the cities of the plain but the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the lord you know lot simply moves his tents near sodom it says he's, he wasn't you know, when he was looking, he, it doesn't say that he noticed these cities and was like, I want to go be part of those cities. No, that, that wasn't the thing. He noticed everything around them and thought, hey, that's a good place to be. But in, as a result, he, he pitches his tent near, near Sodom. Uh, and, and, you know, the bait looked great to him. And when you think of bait, you realize bait always comes with a switch or bait comes with a hook. And for Lot, it was this very thing. He looked at this well-watered, fertile area. And what, what's going through his mind? Well, this is this is easy. This is going to be like really convenient. This is going to be comfortable. This is going to be like, this, this would be like how normal life should be. And so he chooses that. He chooses that, you know, but that comfort and that convenience and that easy actually ends up becoming a trap. You know, John, who was also an eyewitness follower of Jesus, uh, he wrote also wrote letters to uh, new believers in the first century and he says this in his first letter, uh, 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17. He shows us that the trap still existed for them, you know, 2,000 years ago when he wrote this. He says, don't love this world. Don't love the things that, that you see around you. He says, nor the things that it offers you. He says, for when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. That It's a different kind of love. Verse 16, he says this, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. It offers a craving for everything we see. It's like, hey, I want to try that or I want to buy that. And it says, and the pride in our achievements and possessions, look at how good I've done. He says, but those aren't from the Father. They're from this world. And he says in verse 17, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What's John saying? He's like, hey, you know, when you look at all these things in the world, you think are like so valuable or like, I gotta have it or I gotta try that or, oh, I gotta hold on to everything I've accomplished. He's like, I, he says, realize that that's a trap. All of that stuff is fading away. Don't allow that because it actually, it changes the, the, the love uh, that's going on in your heart. He's like the love of the father, that it's not in there. That's a different kind of love. And he also, you know, just reveals to us that it was a trap 2,000 years ago. And the truth is, it was a trap for Lot 4,000 years ago. It was a trap for the first century um, Jesus followers 2,000 years ago. And it's a trap for uh, us today living in 2021 or whenever, whenever you're listening to this. If by some chance it's 2,000 years later, it will still be a trap in the same way. You know, the bait always appears to be good. But in fact, it leads to a conflict of conscience. 
And, you know, maybe we think about it and say, well, what does it really matter? You know, if you go against your conscience a little bit, you know, what does it really matter? If, like this, this idea that he pitched his tents near something like, why does it matter? You know, we know the end of the story, but here we get to see the steps that Lot took because the story continues. About a year after Lot uh, set his tents near Sodom, uh, there was a war that breaks out there. Uh, there's five kings that come and attack Sodom and Gomorrah and two other kings. So it's nine kings all in this big battle. And f- the five kings actually beat, um, are victorious over the four kings. And they capture everything. And here's what it says in Genesis 14, verse 11. So it's the following chapter. He says this, Then those kings, they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions, and they went their way. And they also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and they departed. See, what? just one year later and one chapter later, we find that Lot's no longer just living near. Now he's living in. He's living in Sodom, and as a result, he gets captured. Peter had written to us that, that Lot was like a righteous man. Like he wasn't, it wasn't the stuff that he had wanted to be doing, but that didn't matter. Even though he was a righteous man in an unrighteous place, when they were captured, he gets captured along with them. I was reminded of this fable that I heard when I was a kid of this, this um, these uh, eagle that used to always fly down and hang out with a whole bunch of turkeys and and the turkeys uh, they 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 would go out into the farmer's field and they would eat the corn uh, as uh, before the farmer could harvest it and and uh, this turkey he would just down he didn't he didn't eat corn he just he just was there along with them well the farmer one night sets a trap and as the turkeys are down there with the eagle sure enough they all get captured and and the farmer drags in the you know the net the next day with all these all these birds in it. he starts pulling out turkeys and setting them on the chopping block and taking off their heads and uh, all of a sudden he reaches in and grabs the uh, grabs the eagle and in the story the eagle can talk and the eagle says to the farmer like hey, what do you wait, what do you what do you mean like don't kill me I'm not a turkey like look at me I'm not a turkey and he's like yeah well the turkeys are eating all the corn he's like I didn't eat any corn smell my breath like it, I, it wasn't me and he's like well it doesn't matter you know if you're gonna hang out with the turkeys you get the same uh, you get the same um, uh, consequence and lays the lays the eagle on the chopping block and pff, off with his head. Like, man, that's a, that's a crazy story uh, when you hear it. But, you know, Solomon, the wisest man of his, of his day, uh, we talked about him last week. He wrote about this in Proverbs. He wrote about this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And here, here's, it's just a simple, simple little line that we see that even 3,000 years ago to today has not changed in its effect. He says, walk with the wise and you become wise, but associate with fools and you get in trouble. You know, walk with the wise and you actually become wise. You want to become more wise. You know, maybe you're a young person or maybe you're, you know, just starting out in business or whatever. You want to get better. They Go walk with wise people. You will become wise. It rubs off. Who you hang around with matters. That's why your parents have been telling you that your whole life. Who you hang out with matters. And then the second part of that, it says, and those who associate with fools, it doesn't say they become a fool. It doesn't say, oh, you know, you're going to become a fool. Same with Lot. It didn't mean that he became like them. But what does it say? He says, you will, you know, uh, you'll get in trouble. Uh, Other versions say you'll suffer harm or you'll be destroyed. It doesn't matter what it is. None of that sounds good. Those who hang out with fools, they, they suffer harm. And that's exactly what we see happening in the life of Lot. He's like, I thought I could, you know, live close. And then he finds himself in and then he begins, gets attacked. And, you know, things actually go better for Lot than they did for the eagle. 
You know, Uncle Abe comes to the rescue. He trains his 318 men or uh, somewhere around there. And he comes and he attacks those kings. And he takes everything back, including Lot. And he gives Lot his freedom. He sets him free once again. And he's free once again to choose. And you think, you'd think that after experiencing all of that and being captured and, you know, that your life's on the line. If Uncle Abe hasn't come through, that's the end of Lot's story. You think, man, the guy's going to learn his lesson for sure. But what do we see? What do we see? That Lot, it says he, he, by, by the next chapter, he's actually moved right back in to Sodom. In Genesis 19, he's right back there again. Why? Because there was the comfort. There was the convenience. There was easy. There was what he thought was normal. And you see that uh, once you go against your conscience once, it's so much easier to go against it again. And that's, that's, not, that's a timeless truth. That once you go against your conscience once, it's easier to go against it again. And then we find out in Genesis 19 that, that, is, um, that Sodom's days are up, that they've been, they've been weighed in the balance and they've been found wanting and God is going to bring judgment on that, on that nation, deservedly so. And so uh, Lot happens to be living in there and God sends a messenger, it says two messengers, two angels down to warn Lot and tell him, get out of here, because like trouble's coming. He reveals the depravity of the situation. He reveals that destruction's coming. You know, he goes to them at night and he says, hey, in the morning, this whole place is going up. So get out of here. And Lot's like, okay, okay, well, why don't you guys stay for dinner first? And, you know, we'll chat. And then he he says, you know, here, meet my wife and my kids. And and they're like, okay, yeah, we can do dinner. But but by the morning, like we're not doing breakfast. We got, you got to get out of here. And what does it say? You know, in Genesis 19, verse 15, Lot's like, okay, okay, but just we'll stay tonight. Then it says in verse 15, at dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent and they said, hurry, take your wife, take your daughters who are here and get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. Lot, like you've gone against your conscience to this point. There's no, there is no turning back from here. Once you take this next step, or if you don't take this next, next step, you will get swept away with the rest. And when Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hands and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. Did you catch that? Did you catch what Lot's response was? He just like, you know, we'll wait, we'll wait throughout, we'll wait uh, over, overnight, you know, and then it says when it's at that very moment, he like hesitates, he hesitates, he's like, he's so conditioned to his surroundings that even when he knew it was going to be destroyed, he, he hesitates. And that's the thing that happens when you go against your conscience, you do it long enough, it changes you, it changes you, that you'll do things you didn't think you'd ever do. That you'd endanger your life, you'll endanger your future, you'll endanger the lives of uh, the people that you care about, just simply because you went against your conscience. And uh, we see that in the life of Lot, and we've seen, seen it in the lives of people even today. Your conscience matters. I think is the lesson that we learn from the life of Lot, is your conscience matters. You know, we've been reading through the New Testament um, with a number of people from the church. And maybe you started with us and you've sort of fallen off, you know, haven't been able to keep up. I'd encourage you to just catch, just just, uh, just join us uh, once again, right where we're at. We're reading a bunch of small books. It's a great time to get involved. Or maybe you, um, you, uh, you just want to start with us. We're just uh, right into 1 Timothy now. And uh, what a great, great time. But as we're reading about this, you know, this week, the, the, the importance of conscience just, you know, kept coming up in this letter uh, that Paul wrote to Timothy. 
Uh, he, he says this in 1 Timothy 1.5, the purpose of my instruction, the purpose of this letter that he's writing, he says that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, that they would have a clear conscience and a genuine faith. And then later he writes to Timothy at the end of the chapter, Timothy, my son, verse 18, he says, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Because some people have deliberately violated their consciences and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. You know, Paul mentions that this conscience, this idea of conscience, it matters so much. Like Timothy, do whatever you can to keep your conscience clear. Paul uh, mentions that idea of the importance of conscience many, many times in his, uh, in his writings where he talks about having a clear conscience before God and man, like we said. And then he also describes later on with Timothy that these, these men who had uh, shipwrecked their faith, he says that their, their conscience, it's like it's been seared with a hot iron. Uh, the... the, the Inference is that it's, it's like cauterizing a wound, that it no longer bleeds, there's no longer sensitive. And, and he's like, that's what's happening with the conscience. It doesn't, it doesn't work well anymore. It doesn't work properly anymore. And, you know, the, right now, like in our world, I see there's, there's lots of pressure for people to go against their conscience in many, many different ways. For some, it's the temptations of, of life. There's the, the things of, you know, the this, I got to try this, or, you know, I've got to have that, or, oh, I got to hold on to all the stuff that I have. And it causes them to go against their conscience in different ways. I also look at like even just different things like the mandates and the coercion going against uh, people's conscience of the decisions to, uh, uh, to, to, that they need to make in these, uh, these days uh, right now. And I think it's really, really important that we're careful uh, about recognizing another person's conscience, that we don't mess with somebody else's conscience or try and force them to go against their own conscience, their God-given conscience. We're going to take a look at that more uh, next week. But but, uh, you know, some, uh, some of the things where we're tempted, they, they seem, you know, obvious. Some seem harmless. You know, we look at Lot and we realize that he's a good example of, uh, of being a bad example. He's a good example of being a bad example when it comes to going against your conscience. And, but there's another side to the story, and I just want to finish with that. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14, it talks about Abraham because it says this, After Lot had gone, so after he had chosen and he said he moved, they, they parted ways, the Lord actually said to Abram, Look as far as you can in every direction, north and south and east and west. I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. You know, the part of the land that he could see was the land that, that Lot had, in fact, chosen. Verse 16 says, I'm going to give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they can't be counted. So go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. And then it says in verse 18, So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, and there he built another altar to the Lord. You know, I noticed that in Lot's, in Lot's life, he chose to move his tents near Sodom, thinking, I can handle it, whatever it may have gone through his mind. But it says Abram moved his tent to a place where he built an altar to the Lord and, and kept, his, kept his tent close to uh, the presence of God. That's how that would have been described at that time. The altar was a place of connection with God, a place of prayer, a place of sacrifice, a place of worship. And today, as we've spent some time just in worship and in, and in being uh, uh, in His Word, we have the opportunity to hear the voice of God today. You and I do. 
And I, I, I just, I guess that, that's my question. What's God speaking to you today through this message? I know what he's talking to me about in my life. I definitely uh, hear his voice when it comes to, to this area of my life and realizing there's, there's those, those things of don't go, don't take steps further than, uh, than, than you'll be able to uh, handle or the, the fact that the regret of those decisions, consider those things, consider them. Uh, and so maybe that's my question. Are you being drawn away? Are you being baited by some of the things that are like, oh, this is, this is going to, you know, uh, this is going to be easier or, or this is really convenient or this is going to bring comfort in my life. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. You know, are you being drawn away in those things? You know, are you being drawn to, to the things of this world that are perishing? Uh, and maybe he's just letting you realize that there's more to this life than just this life. And maybe you have the thoughts of, well, I can handle it, or I, I know my, I know my limits. I'm, I'm good. But you know, maybe he's prompting that in you today, or, or maybe you know, you maybe you're on the other side where you actually feel stuck, that you're in a place you never wanted to be, and you look back today and go, well, that, that's why it was that step back then, and then the next one then, and, and then, and, and now I'm experiencing, you know, the, the, the entrapment or the regret of the decisions you've made. Can I just remind you of a verse we've read already, but I want to just take a quick look at a different part of it. Genesis 13, verse 16, it says this, when the angels came, the messengers came to rescue Lot. It says, when Lot still hesitated, the angels, they what? They seized his hands and the hands of his wife and two daughters. And they basically, they dragged them to safety. Why? Because the Lord was merciful. The Lord was merciful. You know, the messengers had revealed like the, the, the depravity and destruction that was coming. And yet, you know, he just was like, oh, I can't get out. And that they reached out and were like, you know what? And we see this in your life. We're going to help you get to freedom. And the Lord was truly merciful. Do you have people like that in your life? You know, I read about it in Jude, one of the last books of the Bible. It says this, he says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. There's some, you know, and even today, faith is where he's like, show mercy to them. And then he says, but rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Like their they're, they're lives, they're, they're in that spot where they're going against their conscience. Rescue them by snatching them away. And then he says, show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. That idea of don't, you know, don't get taken. Don't, don't uh, you go against your own conscience trying to, to, to win them, but he says, in that sense of saving others. Why? Because God's merciful. And that's my question. Do you have people in your life who uh, do that for you? And they're like, man, they're close enough friends that they can, they can see into the, that area of your life and say, you're going against your conscience. And maybe you, you hate hearing them say it, but they're for your good. And the other question is, are you one of those people who are willing to do that for others? When you see them going down a path that leads to danger and you're like, oh man, you know, here's, here's the, you know, the caution the warning, uh, and that it maybe pricks their conscience. You see, what happened with Lot, it says that when Lot was being warned uh, by the, the angels, he tried to warn his family members. He tried to tell them, oh, there's destruction coming. He tried to tell all his buddies. And you know what it says? They just laughed at him. They thought he was joking. And that's what I find, you know, when you go against your conscience long enough, your witness becomes eroded. Your witness becomes worthless. It doesn't have that impact and that power to, to, to reach out to others. It matters. You know, if we look at the life uh, lessons from the life of Lot, uh, I can tell you that conscience matters. It matters. And why, and, and why, you know, why does it matter so much? We'll just leave you with the verse, one of the ones we started with, where Jesus was talking with them about in the last days, it's going to be like Lot, like the days of Lot. Luke 17, verse 28 to 30, it says this, people went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, verse 29, until 
They did that for a season until the morning lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up until the day when the Son of Man is revealed or when the Son of Man returns. You know, Scripture is telling us that this world is temporary. That there is going to be a day where the heavens split wide open and the creator of the whole planet returns to the planet. And he returns with, with righteousness and will judge all of the sin and all of the evil that has gone on on this planet. It, it will all be righteously judged, including us. Including us who have willfully and willingly chosen uh, to, to um, live uh, lives that, that, that are sinful, make decisions that are sinful because we're broken. We, we are, we're sinful beings. But I love that, that even in that 4,000 years ago reveals that the Lord is merciful. And he truly is. Because for those who wanted a way out, for those who wanted a savior from certain judgment, he said, oh, I'm going to send my son ahead of time. I'm going to send my son to take the penalty for you. All you need to do is trust him with your life. That you like say, hey, God, you know, I'm not worthy on my own. I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try and get my behavior better, God. I simply trust you. I put my future in your hands, God. I put my life in your hands. I put all of my past and forgiveness that's required. I put that in your hands and I trust you. And it says that those who believe in him will not perish, will not be lost to God, but will have everlasting life. And I hope, you know, if that's you today, you feel that prompting that you would re- return to him, that that you, you know, for you, if you're a Jesus follower and you're, you felt like, man, there's things in my conscience that I, that I probably need to be more aware of, that those things would be, uh, that you'd follow that, that you wouldn't go against it. Uh, and same, same for myself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's so powerful that it, it, it affects our lives even today. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for making it right where we got it wrong. Jesus, that is absolutely incredible. And it's freedom. It's freedom and I'm grateful for it. Father, I just pray over every person today that's been studying your word with us, that you would speak through your word into their hearts. Father, that they would hear your voice, that they would know what you're calling them to do, and that they would have courage to walk that out. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified uh, and that we would experience your goodness uh, in our life as a result. Grateful. Thank you. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, as always, we have some questions that we'd love for you to dig into and, and see what more he may have to say to you. And so here they are. What jumped out at you from today's talk? And then second, when have you seen someone go against their conscience? It's always easier to see somebody else. When have you seen somebody around you that's like, ah, that person reminds me of Lot. But then uh, the third question, what types of things try to make you go against your conscience? What are the things you like, ah, Makes me want to compromise. Maybe it's, you know, peer pressure. Maybe it's, you know, just like the certain desires, old habits, whatever it is. What is it that makes you try and go against your conscience? And then finally, you know, what lessons can you, you apply to your life from the life of Lot? Uh, and also, you know, what lessons can you apply to your life from the life of Abraham? And one of them I would encourage you with is that continually trusting God. God, you got this. So uh, until next time. Stay in his words, stay close to him, continue to shine as the lights that you were created to be, and uh, we'll see you the next time.